All right, now we get a special treat. Jesse's going to preach for us tonight. That always, mom and dad always loves it. <laughs> it's a blessing. Do you know you could be a blessing, Jesse? Hard. <laughs> Hard to believe. No. <laughs> Hard to do. Hard to do. No. Just your willingness is a blessing. God will take care of the rest. Willingness is the easy part. <laughs> Fulfilling it, doing it is the hard part. With anything in life, right? All right, we're thankful to be back here in God's house tonight. Just thinking of Pastor. He just lay on the couch at home. It's good. Saturday he's sick, but he needs a break. Happy for him in that regard. No, we love you, Pastor. We're praying for you. Um, tonight I would like to talk, think about, share some thoughts and some scriptures with how to win them. That's the title. How to win them. How to win the lost to Jesus. How many of you find it really easy? Yeah? Reese, no? It's not even easy for a missionary? You're not good at your job? <laughs> no, it's hard. It's really hard. Everyone that you try to witness to is a different case. There's no sound. Now, obviously, God gave us guidelines. He gave us things to focus on, things to share with each person that they have to know to come to Christ. But everybody's at, everybody's at a different place. And everybody goes through a different journey to get to that ultimate spot of belief and faith in Jesus Christ. So it's difficult at times. So we're going to be looking at that. Um, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. We'll start there. You can get that up there. But let's go to God in prayer. Father, I do thank you for this night. Lord, thank you for the health to be here to praise you. Lord, we do thank you for these hymns we just sung. Lord, many of them just pleading out for your help. And some just praising you for your goodness. Lord, that you are the King. You're the Creator. You're our Savior. Lord, we thank you for that today. Father, we do pray for Pastor just ask that you would encourage him, Lord, heal his body, or that you would just speak to him tonight, help him to just rest in you, Lord, we help us to just trust you, Lord, each of us will go through difficulties in our life, whether it be now or in the future, Lord, when those times come, may we just trust you, that you are working all things to your perfect will, Lord, that people would continually grow in you. Lord, because of the trials that you put into our lives, Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us now. Lord, give me the words where I do not have the words, I do not have the wisdom. Lord, I am not qualified to be preaching this message. Lord, I just ask that your words would speak to us tonight. Lord, we look to you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Let me get there. First Corinthians 7, 7 says, For I would that all men were even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I went to that verse just looking at the idea of God giving each one of you, each one of us, a special gift, a special ability. Whether you think you have it or not, each one of us has 
special interests. We each have our own style in approaching people with the gospel. Um, we each have our own favorite way of communicating the gospel or sharing the gospel with people. And then there's different, you can look at different parts of the ministry. Each of us play a different role in ministering to the believers. Um, I used to have the gift of prophecy. It was an amazing gift. But it didn't work out. Because they weren't coming past. And I got discouraged for a while. But now I have the gift of counseling. I'm a really good counselor. Especially when it comes to grief. I can really tune in and help people out. No, to the contrary. I'm praying that God would help me to be a better counselor. Someone that can put aside my own lofty ideas and feelings and listen. Listening is quite a skill that I have not mastered. Pray for me in that. But the point is, we all have a different gift. God wants us to use them. Romans 12. Romans 12, 4. Romans 12, verses 4 through 6. For as we have many members in one body... And all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us for the prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Again, God's given each of us different gifts. Maybe you have struggled in the area of eternal security. You can use that to find other people, key into what other people say about that. You've, you've yourself have struggled through that. You find somebody that's struggling through that, and you help them. That's a gift. It's a gift from God. Use it. James 1.17. <clears throat> James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It comes from God. God gifts you <clears throat> with certain gifts. Excuse me. <clears throat> All right, number one, preparing to minister. What does God want to do to prepare to minister? Now, minister, I mean not just preach. I mean minister in whatever capacity or place God has for you, whether it will be a family member, a parent, um, somebody else in the church, a co-worker. How do we prepare? Today, we have so many tools to use to prepare. To prepare, I mean to study God's Word in preparation to then go out and share God's word with other people. <clears throat> I have grown up in an age where I have a wonderful cell phone or a computer. If I use this all the time in preparing messages. It saves me a ton of time. Now, it's a bad thing in the sense that I'm not good with references. Because I know a verse, I type in half the verse, a few words of the verse, and I find it, and boom. It makes me lazy. There's, there's pros and cons to it. We'll look at that in a minute. But we have these amazing tools that God's given us 
Um, Bible programs, computers, cell phones, all these things. Now let's go to Luke 12, 48. Luke 12, verse 48. <coughs> I've talked too much today. Ran out of words. Luke 12, 48. We'll be looking at the later part of the verse. We'll read the whole thing. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes should be beaten with few stripes. For unto whosoever much is given of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. I think about this verse so much. As we are given so much by God, given so much by the dedicated people around us that are trying to impart to us truth, the Bible, they're trying to get us to live holy lives. We're given so much, but what have I done with that? What have you done with it? What have we done with it? Um, God's given us so many tools to study this, to share it with other people, but what are we doing with that? Um, another thing, which is artificial intelligence, AI. I recently, well, this past week, got that thing on my phone, the app. And I've been playing with it. It's just got my brain in a whirlwind, man. It's insane. Another tool. Now you have to debate this one with your friends. But should we use AI as a tool? Okay, because, because I've been into it this past week, today I've been using it to prepare this message. <laughs> Is it right? Is it wrong? You can get on me after that later. That's fine. But all these tools, they can be helpful. Now, if, you, if you're interested, you have to dive into that yourself. It's unbelievable. You've got to be specific in the question you ask, but it will go through all its knowledge of everything on the Internet or however it goes, and it will give you what you want in the most concise way possible. It's, it's unreal. It really is. Um, for example... I asked, this was last night, I asked it, uh, give me 20 different tools we can use today to get the gospel to every person. Now, is this tool, is this um, AI thing, program, whatever they call it, is it centered around Christianity? No, but it's impressive. It, give, it gave me more than what I wanted to see. So it lists me 20 things. Now, I didn't test it to see how many tools it could give me, how it to see if it could tell me how many ways we get the gospel out to people. But I'll read down through here. It says, social media platforms. Utilize platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and LinkedIn to share Bible verses, inspiration, inspirational quotes, and testimonies. And under every, every one of these lists, it says how you can use them specifically like that. Number two, church websites. Number three, podcasts, mobile apps, online Bible studies, live streaming, Email newsletters, ebook and online publications, video sharing platforms, online evangelism, virtual reality. Whoa. <laughs> Who would have thought of that? Well, AI gave you a new ministry. <laughs> Number 12, online prayer networks, online giving platforms, social messaging apps. And it, it, it lists after this, like social messaging apps. Utilize message apps like WhatsApp, uh, Telegram, or WeChat to share Bible verses, devotionals, and engage in personal conversations about faith. Number um, 15, 
online radio, uh, video conferencing, online courses. Here's one for some of you. Gamification, if that is even a word. Create interactive and educational Christian games or apps that teach biblical principles and stories. See, I never would have thought of that without AI. Now, is that right now? We don't, we don't need to mix the two. But it had to come up with 20 things, so it did it. Online community forms, geo-targeting advertising. Okay, the point is, no, it's just something I've been thinking about, so that's why I share it with you. But all these tools that God's given us, whether how much we use them, how much we incorporate them into our daily lives, that's an individual thing we have to work through, right? But God's given so much to us, so many ways we can study God's Word. How are we using it? Are we busy studying God's Word? Um, looking at the pros and cons of using such powerful tools. When considering how much to use these things, how much should I rely on my Bible program, Olive Tree? How much should I? Or should I get away from it and only study with this? Maybe. Maybe for a time. What would that help me do? That helped me know where it is in them white pages. It would help me. Yeah, so just some thoughts that I've been personally working through. Um, some things in our spiritual journey are not replaceable. Each one of us need to put the work in and study out the issues ourselves. It's important. We can't just believe whatever we hear. Let's go to Joshua 1.8. We know this verse, but let's remind ourselves of it. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good Success. It tells us here we need to meditate on it. Meditate on it day and night. Um, that we may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Second uh, Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved unto God. I believe Dad went here this morning because I overheard him, so we won't go there. Um, but we need to study. We need to study it out. Um, don't just believe what you hear. Um, another verse we normally go to, Acts 17, 11. Acts 17, 11, we'll go there for a second. Acts 17, 11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. I personally question everything. I do. Try to see if it's right. See if it's wrong. We need to do that. The Bible talks about making sure you're saved. Question what you believe. Don't just think you're saved. Ask yourself, okay, am I really saved? Do I believe what we need to believe in to be saved? Make sure you do. Make sure you do. We can be easily deceived if we don't fully think about it. Um, it's important, very important. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, 6. God wants us to diligently think things through thoroughly. Now, I struggle with this, man. 
I have a lazy, lazy brain. Now, it's no excuse. It's no excuse at all. It's just an area where I need to grow. Um, what really makes you grow is when you're out there and you try to talk to people and they ask you a question and you'll be like, hmm, I'm going to have to study that one out. I thought I believed that, but they asked me, why do I believe that? Like, um, you know what? I'm not really sure. That's when it really gets down to the line. You say, okay, I need help. I need help in this. Power 6, verse 6. It says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Notice this. Well, who is the problem? The sluggard, the lazy person. So to the lazy person, God says, go to the ant. Go look at something really tiny, really insignificant. You can learn something from it. This is what God's saying. Consider her ways and be wise. Verse 7, which have no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an unarmed man. So I think in many cases, when we don't have something down, when we're lacking in an area of life, be it a discipline, a spiritual discipline, physical discipline, whatever it is, in this case, Someone that's lazy, someone that doesn't want to get out of the bed, someone that just wants to sleep, someone that's just chasing all comfort. Um, yeah, I've been guilty of this, right? I want to be in a place. Subconsciously, this was my goal. I didn't realize it until the last few years. Subconsciously, I was just trying to get to a place where I was comfortable, be it financially comfortable physically comfortable, an easier job, whatever it was. And God's been hitting me on the head saying, dude, I don't want you comfortable. That should not be our goal. We can't be comfortable. I want you striving and striving on to be a better person, to be a more loving person, a more caring person, a more selfless person. But what is God telling us? Consider. Consider. Consider where you're at. Consider where God wants you to be, and then change. We consider our ways. Let's go to Proverbs 4. Not far away. Turn a page back. Proverbs 4, 7. It says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. God wants us to have wisdom. It's exalting wisdom in this verse. It's saying wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And also says, get understanding. Who is the wisest man in the Bible? Jesus, I like that. It's good. Who did Jesus give a great measure of wisdom and understanding, an understanding heart to? We know it. it's Solomon, right? So this afternoon I was studying the life of Solomon, and I was just like, wow. God gave him such wisdom but what caused him to fail? And again, pastors preached on this before, but did I really study it out? I mean, I heard it, but I didn't go home and study it. So when you come yourself and study something, it speaks to you again. It's a wonderful thing. It's the Word of God. God wants to speak to us, teach us everything 
every principle, every truth, every precept to ourselves individually. That's the only way we can ingest the Word of God and make it our own. Or else it's just going to go through one ear and out the other. Or as I mentioned in my family, I saw a picture on Facebook or something. A picture, a drawing of an ear, and inside the ear you can see a bunch of bricks, a brick wall. Sometimes that's the way we are. We hear things, and we're thinking about something else, so it crowds a thought right out. Right? But God wants us to think things through, pray about things. Uh, 1 Kings 3, thinking about Solomon. 1 Kings 3, 1. Um, God looked down upon Solomon, and God loved Solomon for his zeal for God. And then we, we'll see God reaching out to Solomon. First Kings 3, verses 1, we'll read a few verses here. It says, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David, until he had made an end of building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. Only the people sacrificed in high places because there was no house built unto the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and burnt off, or only he sacrificed and burnt incense in high places. Verse 4 And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon the altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Now if God came to me in a dream and asked me what I wanted, I'd be scared to know what I would ask for, right? Who knows? I don't know. Um, it shows Solomon's heart. And in verse 6, And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked bef before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Isn't that something? Solomon realized what a, realized what a great thing it was for himself, Solomon, to be in the place he was. That showed great humility. Understanding, well, there's, there's a lot to it, but simply that God would allow David to have a son to rule over Judah, Israel. Verse 7, And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a child. I know not how to go out or come in. Solomon was overwhelmed. Is a king. Uh, verse 8 And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this <clears throat> thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked him. It's something that Solomon would have had to thought about before he went to bed that night. Something he was no doubt struggling with. He was this new king. People were come to him, coming to him for answers, for him to judge righteously. And no doubt, there was times where he didn't have the answer. 
Then God comes to him in a dream and says, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon responds in humility. And he says, verse 9, Give therefore thy servant understanding heart to judge thy people, <clears throat> that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy for who is able to judge this as so great a people? God had given him a job to do. And what was Solomon's desire? To be able to do that to the best of his ability. What did he need? Wisdom and understanding, an understanding heart. <clears throat> Verse 11, And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy word. Lo, I have given thee a wise understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Verse 13, I have also given thee what thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall be there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then will I lengthen thy days. God likes to bless those who are humble, those that realize their need of God, those that are seeking God's will first. God will bless. He promises that. Um, 1 Kings 4, this next chapter, we'll read two more verses out of that verse. Chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, goes right along with this thought. It says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largeness of heart, even as the sand which is on the sea shore. And Solomon's wisdom exceeded the wisdom of all the children of the east country, and all the wisdom of Egypt. It's interesting, verse 20, 29, to find that. Humorous. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and largest of heart. What does it compare it to? Even as the sand that is on the seashore. He had a big heart. God gave him a heart for many people. And did Solomon take in a lot of people? Yeah. That was one of his downfalls, right? But nonetheless, God gave him largeness of heart, understanding, exceeding much, wisdom. So, where did he mess up? Let's go back to chapter 3, verse 1. There's different things we can look at here. We're just going to look at one idea tonight. You can look at the high places and where they're worshiping, but we're not going to get into that tonight, simply because I don't fully understand it. But we're going to focus on this. 1 Kings 3, 1, And Solomon made affinity with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. Where did he mess up? Well, he took Pharaoh's daughter. We understand this was not right. God commanded that they do no such thing. Deuteronomy 7. We'll go there. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 4. Deuteronomy 7, it says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver thee before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. 
thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter thou shalt not take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. What was the whole idea here? God didn't want the children of Israel marrying into other nations that believed in other gods. That was the whole point. Why? It says here in verse 4, For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. And that's just what we see with Solomon, isn't it? He had all these women around him. Um, no doubt he married some for political gain, for prestige, whatever it is. We see in 1 Kings 3, he made an alliance with Egypt and then had Pharaoh's daughter. Um, so whatever the reason, he brought all these people around him. And I believe that was his downfall. 1 Kings 11, let's go there. First Kings eleven, verse one. I'll read down through here a little ways. The Bible says, "But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Notice it mentions her, woman of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in on, go into them.' That's what we just read in Deuteronomy. Neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. When you see something in the Bible repeated and repeated, it kind of gives you the idea that there's no exceptions. If you do these things, your life's not going to go well. These people will affect you to some degree. And that's what happened. Verse 3. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. Verse 4, For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and went not fully after the Lord, as did David his father. And then we see here Solomon. Um, he's just going right along with that. He burned, Verse 8, he's burning incense and sacrifice unto their gods. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And I commanded him concerning this thing, this very thing, that he should not go after other gods, which he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Again, notice in verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect, with the Lord his God as with the heart of David his father. So the warning is we need to be careful who we surround ourselves with. Solomon, he was a wise man. He could have picked a bunch of great people to surround himself with. People that were close to God, that were seeking God. But instead, would he gather around him for personal gain? 
personal pleasure, whatever the reason, these strange women, women that wanted to drag their false gods with them. And Solomon, because of whatever reason, he went right along with it, forsaking the one and true God. Okay, so God wants us to study personally. We have to study personally. Number two, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Now, just a reminder, we're looking at the pros and cons, praying about how much to use these tools, be it our computer, Bible programs, AI, whatever, whatever the case. What do we need to do? What do we, make sh- what do we need to make sure we're doing as we think about these ideas? We need to study personally, and we need to make sure we're led by the Spirit of God. We can't do away with these things. We can't. Um, don't let AI teach you. Yeah, you can use these things as tools, maybe, sometimes. But what if it tells you something that's wrong? You've got to know. You've got to know it. Let's go to John 16, 13. John 16, 13, thinking about the Spirit of God and listening to Him, it says, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Okay, God give us, gave us the Holy Spirit to teach us. We need to listen to Him. Um, evangelism in the tech age. It's different. Now, I've never lived before this time. I'm not a reincarnated human, so I don't know what it was like 200 years ago, 2,000 years ago. I don't. But in today's world, it seems very difficult to reach people. Why? People are so glued, glued to these things, man. It's insane. You got these kids. I find it very difficult to get through to children these days. I'm talking about children that are out there in the world doing who knows what. It's very difficult for me. I have an easier time connecting with elderly, older people. I'm going to hear you go again. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to be careful. Um, elderly people and middle-aged people. I'm better with them for some reason. I don't know why. But I can connect with them, so I gravitate towards working with such people. But I find it very difficult. Um, but we can use these things. There's so much on the internet that can help other people. Like yesterday, I did, a, did some work for a guy. And afterwards, we were talking. And obvious, so many of my customers lately, if we're hanging out talking after the job's done or whatever, we get talking about the world and current events. And right now, that's such an easy step board to you know what, right? Spiritual topics, trying to figure out where they're at, thinking about the afterlife, eternity and such things. We were talking some. I didn't, I didn't push anything. I didn't feel led to. I was just sh- sharing some things. He was opening up to me for the first time, um, well, a customer that I've dealt with for a few years now. But this is the, yeah, this morning I sent him a video. And I believe God led me to do this. I sent him a certain video. I'm praying that he would watch it. And there's more in this video. There's more truth in this video than what I could have shared with him in the few minutes we talked. 
That's just the truth. Now we can't neglect, when you look at that, we can't neglect physically or with our mouths speaking to someone face to face. But we can use these tools to help people, to bring people to Christ. That's the prayer. Um, it can be helpful to use these tools, but we can't rely on, for example, our phones. We need to focus on building real relationships with people. I think that's what it boils down to. We need whoever's in our lives, we need to focus on them. People that are interested. We need to find people who are seeking God and focus and spending time with them. Jesus did just that. Let's go to Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus, we see many times in earthly ministry, he saw somebody afar off or near. Some came running up to him. Some, as we see here, were viewing him from afar off. He spotted those individuals out, those that were seeking him. And he said, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to make sure you're taken care of, as it were. Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little stature. And he ran before and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. We'll stop there. But we need to do as Jesus did. Look for people intently. Who is needy? Who is hurting? Who is wandering? What is going on with this world? Those people are ready. Those people are very ready. Um, did want to, let's go to John 4. John chapter 4. Verse 33. John 4 and verse 33 says, Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap, that whereon you be snowed to labor, other men labored, and you are entered into their labors. We need to believe. I struggled with this for a time. We need to believe that the fields are white. God tells us that they are. And recently, in the last few weeks, I've seen so many people that are searching. It's unbelievable. Right now, all the people that are searching. We need to go out there, be sensitive, show them the way. That's what God's commanded us to do. Uh, let's go to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 14. just still thinking about we need to focus on those that are ready to hear yes we need to proclaim the gospel to all men that's our job but when it comes down to discipleship not to discipleship but to one-on-one 
um, communication. We need to focus on the people that are ready to hear, that want to listen. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 14 says, And whosoever shall not receive you, this is Jesus speaking, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in, this, in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Therefore, we see later, Paul, on his missionary journeys, if he goes into a city that does not want to hear him, what does he do? Does he stick around and keep hounding him? No. He leaves, shakes the dust off his feet, and goes on to the next town. And many times, he would find people that were receptive. They got saved, they grew in the Lord, and at times he stayed there for a while. He was giving time to those who were ready to hear. Again, we can't forsake people. People that have never heard, we need to make sure they hear. God really wants that done. But we need to focus on people that are ready. Um, we'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. So as we go out there, when we... And we try to communicate God's love to people as God um, allows, as God leads us. We need to make sure we're not doing it out of an obligation, though it is our obligation to make sure this world hears about Jesus because that's what God gave us, gave us a job of doing. But we need to make sure we're doing it out of love. First uh, Corinthians 13, verses, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. How do you know if you're doing it with love? Oh, you'll know. We all know. We all know we're doing something we don't want to be doing. It happens more than we'd like to admit. It happens in my own life more than I'd like to admit. It's a daily challenge to come to God in the morning and say, Lord, this day ain't my own. It's yours. Would you lead me? Would you give me the right goals, the right mindset today? And most importantly, we pray to God that he would give us that love. That's the only thing that's going to draw people to Christ is when they see our love for them. Most importantly, God's love for them. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you. Lord, I thank you for you coming to this earth or living a perfect life. Lord, even caring about those, Lord, as we sadly sometimes categorize as insignificant people. Lord, but you came to save the lost, you came to heal the sick, to bring to bring sight to those that are blind. Lord, the, the people that you that you want to save are those, and only those that are ready to be healed. Lord, you want to save all men, but only if we understand that we have a sin problem. We are we are uh, so needy of you, as people. Only then. Can we be saved? So I just ask that you would help us, 
Help us this week. Lord, there's, there's much going on in all of our lives. Lord, help us to not neglect the people around us that are searching. Lord, they're not going to many times share openly. But Lord, may we be attentive. May we try to speak a word here and there. Lord, sometimes it takes years and years and years to get through to someone. But Lord, may we never miss an opportunity to speak a word of truth, to share the love that you have given to us. Lord, fill our hearts with that love. Father, again, I just want to thank you, Lord, for the blessings of this day, the people that have come out today, just to praise your name for your goodness. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.